Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. We're going to be talking today about a day in the life of Jesus. A day in the life of Jesus. Wouldn't you have liked to have been a fly on the wall back then? Come on, I'm a pastor. He's an evangelist. He'll get you cranked in the next service, but, but let's communicate here. Wouldn't you have liked to have been a fly on the wall the days of Jesus? I don't know if I would have or not. I might have got swatted. <laughs> Amen. Jesus had just talked with the disciples and the people that were gathered around Him about prioritizing God's work. We talked about that last week. Jesus had also earlier in this chapter explained the necessities of being good ground for the seeds of God's Word to fall upon. He also encouraged us in this scripture to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we pick up today with the real life experience of Jesus calming the sea. Now I want to just clarify here that there are some parables and there are some real life experiences. This particular instance here and what we're going to be talking today uh, about today are not parables. These are real life experiences. We're going to talk about Jesus getting some rest and then what happened the next day in his life. Let's look here um, in Luke chapter 8 and we'll just start in verse number 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, let us go over onto the other side of the lake. And the Bible said they launched forth. So we see that Jesus was exhausted from a hard day's work and he gets into the ship and he makes the declaration, let's go to the other side of the lake. And Jesus was tired and so Jesus went, to, went asleep. And a great storm came on that lake. And the Bible said the disciples got to where they were concerned. They were afraid. And the Bible said they even lightened the ship and everything. And then finally they woke Jesus up and they said, Aren't you? What, we're going to perish here. And Jesus, Jesus calmed the sea and then He said, Where is your faith? Where is your faith? So when I look at this, I think what Jesus was trying to teach us was, you got to have faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to have faith. Did you know that the Bible says, and I know you know this, the Bible says that without faith, it is, say it with me, impossible to please God. The just live by faith, right? So we have to have faith. We have to live by faith. Not just the kind of faith that says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I accept Him as my Savior and I accept Him as my Lord, but the kind of faith that can command storms and cause the storms to become calm. Now I want you to look at what Jesus told them. Jesus got in the ship and He told them, He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. Then He laid down and He went to sleep. Now it doesn't matter what kind of storm would have come up on that lake. They were operating on a word from God. When you operate on a word from God, anything's possible. Jesus didn't look at them and say, let's try to go over. Jesus didn't look at them and say, you know, maybe we can get some of you guys to take turns rowing this thing. Jesus said, you know what, let's go to the other side of the lake. 
Now in different places in the scripture, you'll see where the Bible said that there were with him other little ships. Now let me explain something to you. When Jesus calmed the storm for the ship that he was in, it calmed the storm for the other little ships that were around his ship. Your acceptance of and practice of faith affects more than just your personal circumstance. There are people's lives that will be changed because you operated faith. There are people's lives that will be transformed because you stood up in the bow of the ship and operated your faith and said, Peace, be still. There are, in fact, the Bible says that we are living epistles read of all men. So there's people watching us every day, all of the time. I'll guarantee you there are people watching you that you don't even know is watching you. I'm very careful when I go into the community because we're known in the community. And I'm very careful when we go into the community because I know that more than likely there is someone in that restaurant that I have never seen before that knows who I am. And they're watching the life that we live. So Jesus said, where is your faith? So let's recap the process of faith. What does the Bible say? Romans 10, 17, faith comes how? By hearing. That's in the imperative command. So faith comes by hearing, and that means hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And, and it's not just hearing anything. The Bible said the Word of God. So as long as you're hearing the Word of God, faith is coming. As long as worship music is on your radio, faith is coming. As long as someone is teaching you the Word, faith is coming. As long as you're using the Bible.is app and letting that guy or that gal or whoever it is read the Word of God to you, faith is coming. You say to me, Pastor, I don't have the manifestation that I'm believing God for. I'm having a difficult time receiving manifestation. What you need to do then is up your faith. What does that mean? It means you need to up your word intake. You up your word intake. When you up your word intake, then your faith comes. Faith comes. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 says, faith works by love. So faith comes by hearing and faith works by love. If the devil's going to attack you, this is where he's going to attack you. He's going to attack you in your love walk. Because he knows that if he can shut down your love, he can shut down your faith. And so that's what the devil... So guard your heart with all diligence. The Bible said out of our heart flows the issues of life. So guard your heart with all diligence. And don't let the spirit of offense grab hold of you. Don't allow the enemy to pull you off into bitterness. I was talking to one of my daughters this week, taking her to work. It's 6.30 in the morning. We're driving down the road. And I looked at her and I said, Baby, I said, just be, just be sure that you don't let the enemy convert that to bitterness. I said, because what's happened is God's blessing you guys and you guys are doing wonderful and the devil doesn't like that. And so what he's doing, he's attacking you in places where he knows you're just a little bit vulnerable. And so what you got to do is you got to put up that wall and say, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to love no matter what. No matter what. Listen, I love you. You might say something against me. I'm not going to engage in war with you because the war that I would have with you is not worth me losing what I'm believing God for. You see that? And so it's important for us, isn't it? It's important for us to make sure that we guard our love walk because faith works by love. 
So we see in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing. We see in Galatians 5, 6 that faith works by love. And then we see in Hebrews 4 and 14 that faith is activated by the confession of our mouth. The Bible tells us that we are to hold fast the profession of faith. So in a capsulated form, here's what we do. Number one, we hear God's word. Number two, we live a life of love. And number three, we keep God's word active every day of our life. When Joshua was talking to God in Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he was telling the Lord, he was saying, Lord, I'm concerned, I'm afraid. I don't know that I can even uh, take over this nation. My goodness, I'm supposed to step in and under, we call it a Joshua anointing today, but I'm supposed to step into the work and the, and the ministry of a man by the name of Moses and all of a sudden become the leader of this nation. And the Bible told, and God told Joshua, he said, don't be afraid. He said, keep my word in your mouth. And he said it like this. He said, meditate on my word day and night and you will have good success. In fact, God's Word says this. God said, I will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. That's Joshua chapter 1, 8 and 9. That word meditate, when you study it and break it down, it means to mutter. So faith is activated by muttering the Word of God. So when the enemy comes against you and he says you're going to die, you say, no, the Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 that by his stripes we were healed. In Isaiah, the Bible says by his stripes you are healed. That's looking toward the cross. In 1 Peter 2, 24, looking back at the cross, it says by his stripes you were healed. Speaking of a finished work, there's no other sacrifice that has to be paid in order for you to get your miracle. It's already been paid. So we access that miracle by faith, by faith. And so we see that faith is activated by confession. So when the enemy comes against you and he pokes you, let word pop out. Just get full of the word. David said, I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. So get full of the word. Then we go on down here, and so we see where Jesus had stilled the waves. And then we go on down here where Jesus cast demons out of the maniac of Gadara. And the Bible says here in verse number 39, the Bible says, Return to thine own house and show how great things that God hath done unto thee. Now in verse 28, the Bible said that the demons came and they trembled and they fell at the feet of Jesus. Look at verse 28. They said, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. The Bible says that every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we look in verse number 33, and the Bible says, Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and they were choked. Now, here's what I want to point out here. Jesus got off the ship. The demonic of Gadara came. And according to Scripture, and you can study it in different places too, in the other, in the other Gospels, you can study it, and you can see where the Bible said sometimes he would cut himself, sometimes he was living in the tomb, sometimes he was naked. Some, but when they came out, they found him sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they looked at him, and they were wondering, what in the world happened here? Let me say this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. The presence of Jesus changes everything. 
The presence of Jesus changes everything. Listen, that demonic of Gadara for years had this man bound with legion. For years had this man cutting himself. For years had him undressing, had him running through the streets of his town, his hometown. And people were shuttering their windows and slamming their doors because they were afraid of the violence of this man. But one day, Jesus stepped off of a ship and when his foot hit the ground, the demons came in that man and cast themselves to his feet and said, what have we to do with the... In other words, why are you here? This is our territory. And they had to bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The presence of Jesus changes everything. That's what we need to remember. If you're having a struggle, if you're having a trouble in a trial... If you don't know where to go, what to do, don't know where to turn, you're asking God for wisdom, and you don't know what to do here, I want to encourage you, just worship and pray and activate the presence of God that's in your life. Because when the enemy shows up, if he senses the present, he'll leave. He'll leave. And so you never go wrong. Jesus told him in verse number 39, he said, now I want you to return to your house. I want you to show everybody great things that you have done. So Jesus commissioned this man to go testify in the city of the great things that God had done. Look at your neighbor and say, you never go wrong when you testify. You never go wrong when you testify. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says, they overcame Satan, how? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So when the enemy shows up and whispers in your ear and tries to tell you it's over, just testify. Just testify. Just look around and say, who can I tell? The devil says, you're going to die. You've got the doctor's report and you're going to die in three weeks. Just look around. Who can I talk to and tell them about the time when I was sick and the, the Lord reached down and touched me or when my child had a fever and the Lord broke that fever or when I didn't know what was going to happen through, through the finances and we were going bankrupt, but God came through. for Who can I testify to and begin to testify to other people about what's going on? And what will happen is that the enemy will just back up and leave. You never go wrong when you testify. When you testify and give God glory, God shows up and shows out. He shows up and shows out. Third thing that I want to talk to you about, and we'll just go on down here uh, to verse number 48. I love this, this story here. This is a true life experience. Jesus looks at this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years and he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole, go in peace. In verse number 45, the Bible said that there was a woman that had been pressing through the crowd and Jesus, you know, he was a popular itinerant preacher now and he was doing so many wonderful works and people were attracted to him because of the power and the anointing that was upon his life. And then Jesus, the the method of operation, the MO of Jesus was work miracles, get a crowd, then sit down and teach them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So in other words, teach them God's systems and God's ways of doing things. In fact, Jesus would say, the works I do, you can do in greater. We'll touch that in just a moment. But this woman, she's pressing her way through the crowd and there's people thronging Jesus and she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. There's a message right there. 
But she pressed her way through and she reached out and touched the hem of her garment. Virtue left Jesus' body and the Bible said that she felt in her body that she was made whole. Jesus stopped the entire procession. He turned around and he said, who touched me? And the disciples looked at him and said, Lord, the people are thronging you and you're saying, who touched me? And Jesus said, but I perceive that virtue or power has gone out of my body. And the Bible said the woman came and she cast herself before Jesus and she told him her story. And, and the Bible says that, that Jesus looked at her and here's what he said to her. He said, daughter, be of good comfort. In other words, you're not going to have any more pain. You're not going to have any more misery. You're not going to be spending everything that you've got on doctors anymore. Your friends are going to come back home. You're not going to have to live outside the city you're going to be able to come back home and be with your children and with your husband and with your family and with your uncles and your aunts and all of you're going to be able to come back home why because virtue had come out of the body of Jesus that listen power is attracted to activated faith it was faith that drove her on. It was desire that drove her on. It was a desperation that she needed a touch from God that drove her on. And she pressed through that crowd. People probably stepped on her little fingers. They probably broke her fingernails. They probably kicked her. They probably shoved her aside. But she still kept pressing through all of the obstacles because she needed what Jesus had. So this makes me stop and think, what is Jesus trying to teach us? And here's what he's trying to teach us. There are some things that you can only get from me if you press. It's the pressing that produces the power. Faith comes, but it's the pre pressing that produces the power. It's the connection it's the hookup that produces the power. So Jesus looks at her and Jesus makes a very clear statement and I think that we read it almost cliche-ish like and we just kind of pass over and we miss the meaning of it but Jesus looked at her and first of all he said daughter so he was speaking to her as a family person and then he said be of good comfort which means no more pain no more misery no more trouble no more sorrow he, and then he said thy faith somebody say thy thy faith hath made thee whole in other words it was her faith that made her whole. Let me tell you something. The power to produce whatever miracle you need is available. Well, how do I get it? By faith. And there's something I want to point out here. This happened before Calvary. Jesus had not went to the whipping post yet. He had not taken 39 stripes for her healing. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say there is power in activating faith. Before Jesus ever went to the whipping post, she reached out and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. She needed what Jesus had, but it was her faith that was able to draw the virtue that she needed for the miracle into her personal situation and into her personal body. And what I'm telling you today is this is what Jesus is trying to tell us through these red letters here in Luke chapter 8 and this 
real life event that Jesus went through. Here's what he's trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, activate your faith. There is more power than you will ever need. There's power for your healing. There's power for peace of mind. There's power for overcoming lack and poverty. There's power over depression. There's power over despondency. There's power over shame. There's power over despair. There is power. All of that power is available and it's your faith that reaches out, touches Jesus and pulls it into your life. And when you pull that virtue into your life by faith, all of that other stuff has to dissipate. You know why? Because the power of Jesus and the presence of Jesus overpowers it. It's more powerful. Then Jesus looks at her and he says, go in peace. He said, go in peace. Peace is the state of wholeness, which means nothing missing and nothing broken, all because of activated faith. Now, Jesus healed her and made her whole. That word whole means nothing missing and nothing broken. So I put this down. I want to share it with you. Quit waiting on God to do for you what you should be doing for yourself by activating your faith. Let me expand on that just a little bit. Quit sitting around waiting on God to bring you your miracle. Go get your miracle. Go get your miracle. Get it by faith. Get your miracle by faith. And then the last thing that I want to share with you here is Luke chapter 8 and verse number 54 where Jesus looks at this young lady and he says, made arise. Now Jesus had healed this woman and the woman with the issue of blood. And this is all after Jesus had, Jesus had uh, helped this guy get free uh, from demons. And now here Jesus is healing the woman with the issue of blood. But he was actually on his way to try to pray for this little girl who was sick. And during the process of it all, someone came to him. The servants of Jairus came to him and said, well, don't worry anymore. She's dead. And Jesus said, no, she's asleep. She's asleep. He said, fear not, only believe, and she shall be made whole. Now, I want to say this. When Jesus said to her and said to them in Luke chapter 8 and verse 52, when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's sleeping, that teaches us that God's perspective most of the time is different than ours. Okay? Why can God's perspective be different than ours? It's because God knows the end from our beginning. It's because God is the one that orders our steps. The Bible said that steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and God delights in His way. And so when we live the surrendered life, when we say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you uh, and I, I'm going I'm to give you every past success, I'm going to give you every past failure, I'm going to give you every present circumstance and I'm sure going to give you my future so I can live the God-designed life. When you do that, when I do that, then that's called living the surrendered life. And when we live the surrendered life, we need to come to grips with the fact that sometimes God sees things different than we do. His perspective is different than ours. So there may be things that He guides us to do, that He teaches us to do, that He leads us to do, that we don't understand. I want to encourage you in those times... Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. There are, we don't have to understand everything that God does. 
I don't have to understand every door that God opens. I don't have to understand every process that God has me in. I don't have to understand it. I just need to trust Him. And then the Bible says in verse number 6 of Proverbs chapter 3, In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. You say, well, I feel like my life is going nowhere. That's because you're not connected to the vine because the vine doesn't have a destination called nowhere. Amen? Amen? God will always be taking you somewhere. God will always be doing something different in your life. God will always be encouraging you. God will always be guiding you. God will always be, directed, be, be directing you. You say, well, I can't hear Him. That's why we have to live the surrendered life. Jesus looks at them and they said, don't worry, just go on. She's dead. And Jesus said, no, she's not. She's just asleep. What does the Bible say they did? The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. It's right there. They laughed him to scorn. So what did Jesus do? He said, get out of the room. Shut the door. Oh, Jesus is so loving and Jesus is so kind and Jesus is so wonderful. Jesus would never do anything like that. Bet me. Bet me. There's times in my personal prayer when I've heard God say, straighten up, boy. Amen. Smarten up. You know? And Jesus said, you know what? We need to put them out of the room. And when he put them out of the room, Jesus turns and Jesus looks at this gal and he says to her two words. He says, made arise. And the Bible said she arose and he presented her to her parents. Do we find anything in this scripture where the Bible says that Jesus knelt down beside the bed and said, Oh, Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I come to you. And if it be your will, I pray that you would just intervene. Oh, God, please put breath back in this body. Oh, God, please. No, 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 no. The praying had been done. Jesus wasn't praying anymore. Jesus was operating on the authority that he had received from the Heavenly Father by virtue of his position as the Son of God. Of God. And he looked at this lady and he said, Maid, arise. And the Bible said that she arose and he presented her to her mother and father. Now, in 1919, Smith Wigglesworth preached a message. And that message was called this Dare to Believe, Then Command. That was the message he preached. He began in John 14, verses 12 through 14, where it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall also do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And then verse 13 says this, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And then he goes on as if there would have been a question, and he reiterates it again in verse number 14. Jesus says, If ye shall ask anything, somebody shout anything. If you shall ask anything in my name, here's what he said, I will do it. Now, that's the Word of God. Now, either we believe it or we don't. That's the Word of God. 
That's the Word of God. Jesus said here, He that believeth on me, the works that I shall do. So the prerequisite to all of it is we have to believe on God. We have to have activated faith. We have to be living by faith. We have to believe that Jesus is who He says He is. We have to believe that we are who Jesus says we are. We have to believe that the Word of God is relevant for today. We have to believe that God still does miracles, that God still delivers, that God still sets free. We have to believe that God still moves today. We've got to believe that. And then when we believe that, then the Bible says that we can ask anything in the name of Jesus. Why do we ask it in the name of Jesus? Because the word name means authority. When you become a son of God, an heir of God, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you're not operating on your earthly paternal authority. You have become born again, received the spirit of adoption. You're living under the blessing of Abraham, and you have a spiritual paternal authority that you have the privilege of operating under. So you begin to speak and you begin to declare and you begin to tell the enemy. You don't see, when I pray for you, and you know that, I don't, I don't lay hands on you and say, oh God, if it be your will. No, I'll just say, sickness go, body be made whole in the name of Jesus. Yes. Why? By virtue of our position. All because of John chapter 14. Jesus said, if you will believe the works that I do, you will do in greater. And then the Bible said, whatever we ask the Father in His name, He said He would do it for the purpose, now listen very closely, of the Father being glorified in the Son. This is why I tell you all of the time, don't chase preachers across the country. Come on, one star. The bright and the morning star. Everything points to Him. We're reflectors of the glory. All of this is so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then Smith Wigglesworth went on and he said in uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 16, he preached on this a while. He said, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. So it's by faith. Everything that we do is by faith. We live by faith. And then he finished the message in this famous passage of Scripture that was made famous by Dad Hagen. Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 24 says this, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. That could have just as easily been translated, Have the God kind of faith, or have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, shout the word say, say, say under this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Somebody say, believe. believe. That those things which he saith, 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 shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Saith. So, Three or four times in that verse we see the word say or saith, which means we use our mouth, and there's one time that we see the word believe. Activate your faith. We activate our faith through the confessions of our mouth. And then he goes on and he says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Not after you pray. When you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. So I'm praying here. I'm believing that I'm receiving what I need from the Lord right here. And then the Bible said, when I pray, I believe. And then I shall, that speaks future, have them. So the walk between here and here is called the walk of faith. 
So I've already prayed and I've already believed. So I'm just going to activate that faith. I'm going to keep confessing the word. I'm going to keep speaking the word. I'm going to keep talking the word. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm not going to let people pull me off point. I'm just going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep pleading. And, and this is the pressing place right here. I'm going to press and press and press and press until this faith that God has put inside of me produces the manifestation that I need. So here's what I want to encourage you to do in this part of the message, in the end here of the message. Command with authority and live victoriously. I'm going to say it again. Command with authority and live victoriously. Church, you have a right to tell the devil to go to hell. You do. You have that right. You can tell the devil, you go back where you belong. You have the authority. The only power that Satan has over a spirit-filled child of God he's received through bluff and deception. I've taught this to you many times, but I just, repetition is the key to learning. I want to share it again. The Bible said that a third of the angels were cast down from heaven, right? So that means for every angel, which turned into an imp, for every angel or demon spirit that was cast out of heaven, there are two angels, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, an entire church body of Christ, and a spirit-filled believer to stand against it. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the devil has already been defeated. Quit renting him space in your head. Amen. Amen. The devil's defeated. So, command with authority and live victoriously. You do not have to take even one bite of what the devil tries to dish out. Not even one bite. You have spiritual power through the Holy Ghost to defeat the enemy. You have a weapon called the Word of God to use to defeat the enemy. You have an unshakable faith that will produce supernatural manifestation in your life. So use it. Use the Holy Spirit of God that, that God has put inside of you. Use the weapon of the Word of God to overcome the enemy and stand in faith and allow that faith to come and to be activated and to grow inside of you. Allow that to happen. And when that happens, you'll begin seeing God move in your life. Okay? Good word. Let's all stand. Come on. Good word. Good word from the Lord. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a few moments here. I don't like to close anything, any type of service, teaching, preaching, whatever, without first giving those that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior the opportunity to give their life to Jesus. So if you're here tonight or today, and maybe watching, we're live streaming the first service here. So if you're watching on live stream, and you need to give your life to Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus is standing right there waiting on you to come to Him. He loves you more than the English language has words to describe. 
The Bible said that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. Every single person who lives for the Lord has had to come face to face with the reality and the fact one day that they were a sinner, that they've been saved, and now that they've been needed salvation. And, and they were saved by the grace of God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Him to be the Savior of my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, my spirit. And I want Him to be the Lord of my life. And I just want you to raise your hand and put it right back down and say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to make that commitment right now. Come on, can I see it? All over this? Okay, anyone else? All over. All over. This is the most important you will ever de decision you will ever make in your life. It's more important than your next job. It's more important than who you marry. It's more important than where you invest. It's more important than anything. Making Jesus the Lord of your life. Letting Him call the shots over your life. This is what that means. So if you need Jesus, lift your hand toward heaven. Say, pray for me, Pastor. All right. Okay. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, anyone else? All right. Those of you that are on live stream, you, you know what to do. Just contact us and we'll pray with you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to pray with me. I saw three hands that went up. I want you to pray with me right now and just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. I want to be a Christian. I believe that you are who you said you are. You're the Son of God, and you died for me on Calvary. And now today I receive you as my Savior and Lord, and I confess you as the same. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Now the second thing that I want to do here in closing is I want to encourage you to take your place in Christ. Those of you that are Christians, some of you have been Christians for a really long time. And you just come to church and you sit there and then you go home and you wait for next week to come and you sit in the same spot and all of that. And we're glad you're here and we're thankful that you're here. But there's so much more you could experience in God. There's so much more. So I want to encourage you to take your place in Christ. Listen, I've not learned everything yet. And I know you've not learned everything yet. There's always things that we can learn about the Lord. So when we talk about being a disciple, a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. When we talk about that, then we're talking about being fully devoted to Him every single day of our life. So I want to encourage you, read your Bible more. Spend more time with the Lord. Have good Christian fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters where the conversation centers around the Word of God instead of fishing and knitting. Amen. Conversate around the Word of God. That's spiritual fellowship. Have that kind of fellowship. And when in the process of that, you're going to be activating your faith. This is what you do. You activate your faith. You testify of God's goodness. And then you start commanding together in agreement with authority and then all of you can live victoriously. So, don't be that sleeping giant. Get encouraged. Get involved. Get activated. 
play the guitar like Sean. Jesus, help us all. Amen. Amen. All right? Turn and look at your neighbor and say, good stuff. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.